0: From the NFL, we know the Browns have talent, but I'm not sold on this rookie head
1: coach. To the NBA,
0: Kawhi Leonard has added his name as one of the best players
1: in basketball. Across the landscape of college football, the Pac-12 got how many
0: teams in the top 25? And so much more. Watson needs a Dana White. It has too many chefs in the kitchen. The stories you want. The Zeke Elliott
2: holdout could be coming to a close.
1: The opinions you need.
0: LeBron is coming back with revenge on his mind. The king is back. It's Jay Wise. I keep
2: telling y'all my last name is no joke.
1: And Nathan Drinkard. If they don't win this game, it's a wrap. Stick a fork in them. They're done. This is A Drink of Wisdom. Welcome to A Drink of Wisdom. With Jay Wise Nathan Drinkard, I'm your host, Cody Ward. Thanks for spending some of your time with us tonight. What's going on, guys? Everyone feeling all right? We, we good? <coughs> <coughs> Oh, I'm just playing. No. I'm good. Good, uh, good. Good, to, good. good Good to hear. see you, brother. Good to, good to see you. Good to be back.
0: Let's okay. talk some coronavirus, baby. But I'm good, by the
1: way. <laughs> we're, good. we're glad to hear that. In episode 55, we're locked in on the coronavirus with its effects on the NCAA and the rest of the sports landscape. We also analyzed some franchise tag developments in the NFL. Let's we'll start with the NBA, which probably set this whole chain reaction in motion minutes before tip-off Wednesday night. The Jazz Thunder game was postponed after Rudy Gobert's coronavirus test came back positive. It triggered the NBA just minutes later to suspend the entire season. Since then, teammate Donovan Mitchell has also tested positive, but the rest of the team and the staff's tests have been negative thus far. So tell us, Drink, how should the NBA move forward from here?
0: Um, well, first, before we get to, to the, the answer to that question, I want to give a shout-out to one um, Mark Cuban. Uh, I think the way he he did two things during this whole evolution that I I was very happy to see a guy of his ill. Um, You got to understand that these guys, these billionaire owners, they're going to lose a lot of money. But I thought he showed himself to be more of a human being than a billionaire, you know, rich guy. Um, One being that he was the first one to come out and say, hey, I'm going to pay my staff. I'm going to pay the hourly employees. they they don't deserve to lose their job over something that they didn't have something to do with. So he was the first one to say that, and um, I <clears throat> I just want to say hey I thank him for that because I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and to get to your question, I'm I'm skipping the other one. To get to your question, I think the NBA is handling it right. They, they they're doing the right thing right now. Um, keyword suspension of the season. They didn't cancel the season. I think people need to understand that. Council and suspended mean two different things. Suspension mean we will come back at a later time. Council mean don't worry about it. We'll see you down the road. We ain't worried about it no time soon. So the NBA suspended it. I also see that the owners have went to the, the commissioner, Adam Silver, and he they asked that in 30 days, he reevaluate the situation to see could they possibly reopen the season at a later time. That is very important because they would like to finish this season out in some form of fashion. We don't know what that form of fashion is, but this is what they wanted to do. Um, So I think the NBA is handling it beautifully. I like the fact that the NBA was the first sports organization to say, "Uh uh-uh, we done, we out of here. Now, I do understand what some people are going to say. They also was the first sports organization to have a major player get, you know, diagnosed with the coronavirus. I got that. However, you got to understand, this is the NBA we're talking about. This is a billion-dollar entity. It took a lot for that commission to come out and say, cut it. We out. We, we, we done. Hey, we'll, we'll come back down the road. So, you know, kudos to Adam Silver. Kudos to the NBA. And like I said, if they want to come back in 30 days and see this, because most of the doctors are saying this. They're saying that you could come back in 30 days and have a total different diagnosis than what you have now. It is a virus. A lot of people have can't come back from this. Go look at the studies in China. Go look at the studies in Korea. Go look at some studies in Italy. People have coming back. I mean, I got it that the numbers don't look as great as you might think they should look. But if you're looking at half of the story, and that's what a lot of people are doing, they're looking at half of the story, which is how many people got sick? How many people died? They're not even worried about how many people recover. There's a lot more people that recovered from this than died from this. I can promise you that. All right. This is not the first time we had a, a flu epidemic. Um, and it probably won't be the last time we have a flu epidemic. So with that said, the NBA has definitely handled this very well. Um, <laughs> and let me just say this as much as I, I say, uh, Kudos to Mark Cuban for what he did for being a leader, doing how he, you know, doing things the way he did it. Rudy Gobert, what are we doing here? What what are we doing here, Rudy Gobert? Seriously, come on, man. Like, listen, I understand you're from another country. I understand you you you're a relatively young guy, but you got to be better than this, man. You're playing around, like, and I'm not saying. Listen, you're not the only person in in America that probably made a joke of this situation. But now you're the joke of the situation because of that. You could have did that behind closed doors, you know, poking and prodding at your teammates if you just wanted to make it a joke. (laughs) I got to touch your locker, whatever. But you did it in public. You touched all these mics. And then karma was a ooh because it slapped you right in the face. That's what happened. Karma came back and then you happen to be the first NBA player diagnosed with the coronavirus. Ain't that some poop for your poop? all right? So that's, you You know, you, you can't be doing this, man. Like, come on, man. Have more class. Have more, you know, be more mature, you know? We, we understand. We don't like the fact that this is headline news as much as you don't like the fact that this is headline news. But to sit there and mock the media and rub the mics and say, ha, 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 now look what you did. You are the face of coronavirus in the NBA. I hope you have it. You are the face of that cr- that crowd. Then oh, oh, hey, we got a second player. Who is that second player? Donovan Mitchell? Oh, just so I have to be your teammate. Go go figure, you know. So I, I just want to make sure I said something about that because that, that was outrageous. I don't I don't know what he was thinking. Um, but I would say this about the guy. I don't think he had no malattent. I don't think it was a malicious thing. I just think he was playing around. He, he, he took it as a joke, like many of us probably have, took it as a joke, and then he just got caught up in his own joke, you know? And this this was a lesson to be learned for other people. Don't go around playing with this, man. This, You know what I'm saying? Take this stuff serious because you out here spreading this crap. You don't even know what could come out of you spreading it. So um, to, to get back to that question, I, I think the NBA should come back to Adam Silver in, in 30 days. Adam Silver make a choice if he want to continue the suspension um, or if he want to go ahead and start at least playing the games without fans again, I do think that should be the next step. Let's not go full-blown. You could bring the game back without the fans, and then in 30 more days, once you get a better prognosis of what's going on, then you could bring the fans back and then do it that way. Because I don't see a reason why you got to rush back and just bring fans back. And I got money. I got it people losing a lot of money. And it's easy for me to say that because I'm not the guy with the checkbook buying all this stuff and spending this money. But at the same time, if you really care about the public health, like you say you care about it, then you got to take steps to this. You know what I'm saying? It's a, it's, a, it's a saying that we have that we like to use. You got to crawl, walk, and then run. I don't think you need to go from crawling straight into the run. You need to build yourself back up, get, get those games back on TV, and then once you hear, hey, it's good to have large crowds again. You bring that crowd back in, and then we go back to watching the NBA as we know it. All right, so that, that I think the NBA is handling it good. That's my recommendation. We'll see how they go.
2: Yeah, I, I got no I got no big issue with how the NBA has handled this thus far. I think the suspension is the right move. Um, I I, I must admit to you, when I first saw the news of the suspension, I thought the NBA season uh, was a wrap. Um, I even went so far to make the little, uh, the little remark that like, well, I guess John Morant wins Rookie of the Year because Zion can't catch him now. But uh, you know, with the suspension, uh, I believe at some point down the line, the NBA, the NBA season is gonna get back underway. Uh, 30 days is probably about right, but this is something that, you know, the league office and Adam Silver, you know, this is something I, they probably will monitor, um, on a daily basis and just to see, uh, just to monitor the situation throughout the country and the world. And 30 days is probably the, you know, what they're shooting for. But, you know, I, if I had to guess, I, I'm, I'm probably thinking it'll be more to 60 days. That's just a gut feeling, um, uh, before we see, um, you know, any, the season resumed. You talked about Mark Cuban. I want to shout out some other guys, Uh, Kevin Love and, uh, you know, Giannis and Zion. I believe these, some of the guys who uh, they're, you know, they're making donations uh, to some of the workers uh, in the arenas uh, that are being affected by this. So, you know, a lot of good can come out of these situations where, you know, people got to band together and uh, in order to overcome, you know, these, these difficult times that we're, you know, we're looking at, we're looking at in the face. Uh, But, uh, in regards to Rudy Gobert, um, I think you summarized uh, that quite well. You, you know, and I, I said this previous to you all. There's a lot of Rudy Goberts out there that just what probably ain't taking it seriously. I mean, us ourselves, you know, when we had the show, when we talked Wednesday, we didn't see this coming. I mean, the when Rudy Gobert tested positive, that really was the lightning rod and the catalyst. That really set all this in motion because up to that point, we had we the cancellations and the different moves that teams and organizations and, you know, cities around the country were making were fairly isolated. You know, they were few and far between. We really hadn't seen a whole lot of reaction. But I did say I did say on the show that night I was like, if a player gets this, that is when we will see direct movement and reaction. And boy, did it come quick, fast and in a hurry. And and that and to my to your point earlier, the NBA reacted in such a way because they were the first team American like league that had a player test positive. Um, if my information I have is correct, I believe there was a soccer player, not not in the MLS, but I believe there was a soccer player uh, in another part of the world that tested positive before Rudy Gobert. But of yeah. course, that was outside of of the United States. But, you know, back to back to Rudy Gobert, I, in the end, I do agree with you. I don't think there was – I don't think he's got a malicious bone in his body. Just one of those situations where we, we just live in a society where not a very little, if anything, is off limits to a joke. I mean, that's just the meme society we live in. You know, we got you – know, you know, there's that small section of the country that was making jokes as soon as Kobe Bryant died. I mean, you know it and I know it. Let's just be honest yeah. with it. That's true, um, yeah. You know, that's that's just kind of the way it is. But uh, as far to the, as far as how the NBA proceeds from here and whenever we get to a point to where they can resume play. If I had to guess, I would say the season will most like the regular season will most likely be shortened. I would I would guess that we say maybe eight to ten regular season games, perhaps like a preseason type format before these guys hit the playoffs. Uh, now, that that that's obviously going to hurt some of those. Western Conference teams that are looking to catch Memphis for that eighth seed so I don't know if that'll be taken into consideration but if it doesn't I mean look to the Portland's and the New Orleans of the world you know I guess you should have played better to start the season so oh well Ooh. but but um, I'm, I'm looking forward to the NBA getting back I'm glad they're taking this approach to it and um, I think I think as of right now they're they're doing the right thing
1: yeah, this was crazy. You know, I I haven't had my nose too far in the news this week. And I, I was like, oh, my gosh, like out of nowhere that one night I was just scrolling through my phone before I went to bed. Like this is just I'm un- so unprecedented, you know. But I think what's interesting about this whole thing is is how we use sports as like a barometer as for the situation, like how fast it's gauged. Because up until the NBA did this, it didn't feel like like during you said it was just local things or like you said, you know, it was just local things here and there, little deals. And then all of a sudden the NBA drops the hammer and then the chain reaction just boom, boom, boom. Everyone did it left, right. I mean, you know, and then now the schools are shutting down and, and it was yeah. it really feels like when the NBA made that call and the, we saw these multi this multibillion dollar organization do it, then everyone else has followed suit, like just right down the line. And that that is just crazy to think that sports can have that kind of impact and again, like you said, it's, it's, a, it's a prudent decision, but I don't, it's, it's not, people are asking, is it really that serious? Like, well, yes and no, it is because if you don't take these steps, then this could continue to spread and become a very serious situation. You know, right now, as of the CDC's websites, I'm going to look over here and read it 1,600 cases, 41 deaths. 1,600 cases in 330 million people is not a lot. But if you keep having these huge events and gatherings and then, you know, let's say Rudy Gobert and the Jazz ran out there and they played the uh, was it Rockets or whoever. They it was the play? Thunder. It was the thunder.
2: thunder. OK, so they yeah, go to yeah.
1: Oklahoma City and they go back to Oklahoma City. They play a team who then goes here and then the Thunder go here in four or five days. Almost every team has played the other team in some way or function, you know, and then this spreads like crazy. So it's a very prudent thing to cancel it. And, and at the time, like you'll say, it wasn't like he was it was a big deal. and He was just, you know making fun of it at the time. It was kind of still a joke to a lot of people. I mean, I, I've been joking about it with people I've been talking to. It's like, Oh, someone calls so you and make fun about it, you know, but it, it within the span of like 36 hours. Now it's like, Oh, pandemic go buy toilet paper and just how fast things change, you know, and in, in the age we live in. But, um, you know, I guess the only question I really have is, would the NBA do that? Would they literally just cancel the rest of the regular season? If they, let's say it's two months. Let's say that would put us, two months from today would put us right about when the finals should start, within a week or so of the finals, should, when they should be starting. So you back that up for the whole playoffs. I mean, you'd be well into the playoffs at this point in 60 days. Would the NBA just say, hey, we got our 16 playoff teams. Sorry if you didn't make it. Because, you know, you look out east, there's no one's really gunning for that eight seed in the east. That's maybe the Wizards with. You know, about 15 games to go, but you look at that, you have Portland, um, New Orleans, and Sacramento all three and a half back of Memphis, and then San Antonio is another half game behind them, so there's four teams that could get that eight seed, so yeah, you're right, that would screw them, but I, I think at this point, to keep things sort of on schedule, you'd have to just say, hey, whoever's in, we're going to do the playoffs as normal maybe, but I, it's going to be a real touch and go situation. If things calm down, I could see them getting back to it, but if it's still wild and Cases are still spreading. And it, would it be weird to just not have a finals? I mean, I wonder how long they let yeah. it go on. How far do you go into the off season with it? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And that's why I think their approach, taking this at this point, 30 days is the right approach because, like, you, you're talking way down the line. And that's obviously something I'm sure they're discussing. But you, you obviously, I don't think you want to jump too much ahead of yourselves uh, to that regard on that side of the equation. You, I think we're. That's kind of the worst case scenario um trainer uh, mindset. Uh back and back to the point of just shutting the regular season down and heading straight to the playoffs. I, I can't see the NBA doing it. I can't see in um, to to the to the the premise we're operating uh off of right now, having a two month break in the schedule and then all of a sudden just coming right back into playoff mode. Yeah. I, I really can't I really can't see that. I would I would have to imagine there would be some x amount of games where everybody comes back into play and that way you know the teams that are going to be a playoffs they're not just coming you know and hitting the ground zero to 60 in you know two minutes in in playoff basketball i don't think that's something that would be a a particularly great product
0: and 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 yes the product that's what i was gonna say i was gonna hit to the product you you gotta understand man these guys, you talking about coming off the couch or coming, you know, doing light practices or whatever it is that they're doing. And now you saying you're playing meaningful basketball. I mean, not this ain't a regular Tuesday in Milwaukee no more. Now you're talking about game one of the first round. So these are meaningful games. That's one thing. Two, um, it's recently been brought up that the NBA owners are trying not to pay the players for the games they're not playing. So now I, I, I know the players are going to riot. you like, so the Players Association and the NBA right now probably at odds right now over that. You're going to have to get that cleared up and situated as well within the 30 days or within the days that you want to bring the NBA back. Because you cannot say, you know, it's not these guys' fault that a virus came and they're not playing. But then the owners are saying, it's not our fault that we're not making no money because you know, of
2: the hey, virus. Yep. Yeah. And you you know what would happen in that case if the, if the owners try to pull that there would be a meeting called with all owners in one location and the commissioner was supposed to be there and it, that they'd send Rudy Gobert instead.
0: Ooh, that's gonna kill him.
2: <laughs> hey, we, we we ain't playing with this money. But <laughs> look, I think I think one of the things to consider, and you you're talking about how you go back into play. I think taking it in the steps of resuming play without fans if the situation, you know, around around the country has not improved to what you would like and you want to resume play anyway, because I think I think you're going to have to see everyone's going to have to get tested. Everyone's going to have to get tested and including, you know, all the essential personnel that work with these teams to ensure that everyone's good and where they're not taking any unnecessary risks to where other other players are getting infected and spread this around because once you step on the floor, you know, the basketball, somebody, uh, somebody was making the point that man, the basketball is a dirty thing. All Mm -hmm. the sweat, all the different hands on that thing. That's a nasty churn field thing. Right.
1: We'll see. They got some time to, to look it off and look over and watch what happens. All we can do. Let's move on to college basketball where more cancellations have been set. The NCAA has canceled the March Madness tournament officially, and it will not be played this year. The decision was hot on the heels of cancellations of conference tournaments through the day on Wednesday. There were some attempts to still have the big dance, including a condensed 16-team version, but ultimately the logistics were too much and teams were basically refusing to travel. All collegiate spring sporting events are also canceled, and the NCAA is planning on giving most winter-slash-spring sports another year of eligibility. So Jay, did the NCAA get this right, or would you like to have seen them take a different approach?
2: Well, I'm not, you know, obviously I'm not totally ready in on all, all the discussions that went into uh, the equation in this, in this level of decision making, but um, I'm I'm a little bit split on this. Um, when we talked, we just talked about the NBA and how they suspended play. I, I would have liked to see the NCAA take a similar approach, especially with the with the college basketball and the NCAA tournament, because that's a that's that's such a huge event. You think about the the effect that just has on just common individuals with the, you know, the filling out of brackets and, and the, you know, the gambling that goes into all that. And, and just the, just the overall drama of that tournament and some of the, you know, the Cinderella stories that we, that we witness from time to time. And you also think about, you know, some of those lesser known players that we get to see on the big stage. I mean, here's one thing that, you know, Maybe we're not considering from just last year's tournament. Does John Morant get drafted number two overall? If if the if if the whole country doesn't see what he did last year in the NCAA tournament?
0: I mean, that's just one well, of the thing. I mean, I would say throughout the season he was still considered top three. But I get what you're saying. He got he locked in that's at number NCAA, two because absolutely. of the NCAA tournament. And it but yeah, and, and right, you would think his, his
2: take throughout the year. You could make that case. But I mean, in the conference he was playing in, you know, there would be that question of, well, you didn't do it against, you know, the ACC's of the world or the Big East. or You know, the list, go, the list goes on and on. So, that you know, that's just that's just one of the things I'm looking at. But, I, you know, I would have preferred the NCAA to take a similar approach that the NBA took. But I do understand there's a lot of things uh, they're probably working and have to consider more than the NBA. You think about the NBA, it's just, you know, it's centralized. You got the league office, you got 30 teams, and, you know, that's pretty much it. The NCAA, it has, you know, we got the major conferences, then you got all the mid-majors. You also got to consider, you know, the school year, because these are student athletes, or so we think. And so you got to consider things like final exams. I know one of the concerns... That uh, maybe went into this was, well, if we push everything back, it's going to, you know, there's going to be a, you know, a conflict with with the with the exams. That's just one example. And so maybe that's one of the things that went into it. But still, I mean, one of the, I think Jay Williams was one of the guys who was talking about, man, you know what? May madness has still has a pretty nice ring to it. So. But we didn't go that way. But it, it was just, I think a lot of people, after the Rudy Gobert, after Rudy Gobert got his test back, it seemed like, and I know the NCAA, they, they take a lot of criticism for their ex- exploitive tendencies and how, you know, the, the, the student athletes, they don't get paid and they, they get a raw deal. And, and that, that, those points were brought up. Uh, In the media, you know, the very next morning on Thursday, because at the time it wasn't until about middle of the day that the individual conferences, at least the major ones, came out and shut down their tournaments about one after the other. So there was a whole lot of, you know, negative vibe aimed at the NCAA. And I, I thought, and to a degree, I thought it was a bit unfair because if you remember, before Rudy Gobert's test came back, the NCAA, in my mind, was really among the first uh, in the athletics world that came out and said, hey, the tournament will continue, but we're not going to have fans or we're going to have limited fans, just, you know, you know, close family. And so when, when the NBA made their move, it seemed like, Everyone was quick to say, oh, yeah, the NBA, you know, taking the lead and leadership and all this. Well, if Rudy go if if an NBA player didn't didn't test positive, I don't believe the NBA would have been the first to make that move. I mean, I I really don't. I mean, it could have been it could have been a baseball player in spring training. It could have been I mean, if if the NCAA had a college athlete that tested uh, tested positive, they wouldn't have had no choice, but to shut it down. So it, it was it was only a matter of time in my estimation that a test was going to come back positive, And that's when we would see actual action take place. And that's ultimately. So I believe the NCAA in that regard, they get a raw deal, but it, it was I, I, you definitely would have liked to see a little bit more coordination between the NCAA and the conferences. Now, the NCAA, to my knowledge, the NCAA, they don't have direct control of the conferences, the conferences. Could have, You know, they were kind of it seemed like they was operating independent and that there was a conference call on, I believe, 11 in the morning on Thursday where everybody got together. And probably a lot of this was sorted out. And that's probably after that, you know, the decision slowly started coming down the pipe. The Big Ten was one of the first conferences to shut it down. Then we saw the SEC, the ACC tournament, just about 15 minutes before Florida State and Clemson was set to get underway, they shut it down. Then you see the Big 12. For some reason, the Pac 12 want to lag behind. I don't know what they were doing. When you think about the areas of the United States that at this moment in time have it the worst, I'm pretty sure Washington State they they struggling up there. Uh, that's you, Washington, Washington State, Pac 12. Hello, get it get it together. It ain't like we trying to watch it anyway. It bar- y'all barely made the show uh, two days ago. Oh, wow. So and. I, I, I gotta be honest. I I feel bad for the I feel bad for the Big East. I, I really do. You know these guys was chapped. Uh, they, they, I forget the Big East exists every single season until basketball season because they ain't got football no more, and they held on for as long as they could. They got St. John's and Creighton out there. I, I I didn't shut off every you know every other station because everything else has been canceled. So I'm watching St. John's and Creighton for a half, and then you know a couple minutes past you know, one o'clock, they say, yep, yep, well, we're out too, guys. So, you know, obviously a tough day. And and then you saw later that afternoon, you saw schools like Duke and Kansas, you know, Blue Bloods, Top Seeds, traditional powerhouses saying, yeah, yeah, we're done. We ain't playing. Yeah, y'all, wanna, yeah, if y'all have a tournament, we won't be there. So that that probably had a big effect. And once we saw those type of things come out, you know, it was inevitable that that the NCAA NCAA probably made this move. So, you know, yeah, I would have liked to see them handle it differently. But, you know, in the end, it it was probably bound to happen eventually. So I'm not going to be one to hammer them too much.
0: Well, I'm going to be honest, man. No matter how the NCAA would have handled this, it would have made someone mad. It would have frustrated somebody. Probably. Um, if if I mean probably let, let's say they would have said, all right, let's stick, let's stick with just playing the games with no fans, okay? Well, let me tell you what the conferences was doing wrong from the start when they made the distinguish of, oh, well, no fans, but you can have family. Well, I'm looking in the, I'm looking in the crowd, and I'm thinking to myself, well, what the hell difference is it between a family member and a fan? Yep, I got to know like how. Oh, so if I was blood brothers with a star player, right? But I don't even like my brother because you know we was raised different and whatever. But I just so happen to be a, a fan of college basketball, so now I get to go up here and say, "Hey, man, that's my brother playing." You know what I'm saying? And my mom now she's like, "Yeah, that's my son. That's my uh, son. That's my brother." Uh. You know? Uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's the evil one. That's the good one. Whether however you want to look at it, right? So they let me in. I'm not. I'm not a, a family member. I'm. am ba- basically a fan. So I looked at stuff like that, and I'm like, that don't make sense. So that was one instance where I'm like, that decision didn't really qualify as a good decision. Now they think, or let's just say they would have continued the tournament with nobody, just strictly no fans, no family just the players and the essential personnel, pretty much. They would have did that. Well, let's say, okay, the the minute one player would have got sick from that exact game, oh, Oh, what we doing, Big East? What we doing, ACC? Oh, man, you should have just canceled the games, man, but y'all just wanted to be greedy. Y'all wanted all the money, so y'all just played the game anyway and didn't even care about the, the health of these kids. So I just look at it like, listen, The NCAA, the the individual conferences, however, they was not going to get this right no matter what they did. So they went with the safest possible outcome, which was let's just cancel everything. Because when you got a team like Kansas, which was projected to be the number one overall seed, and they say, uh, yeah, let's pack our bags, we out. Then you got a blue blood like Duke. You you know how many people would have showed up to see Duke play? Uh, oh, let's back our bags, we out. At some point, you kinda gotta like start following these trends. Because when your biggest money draws are just leaving because they're scared of the safety precautions, what what are you really gonna do? You what you gonna bank on Dayton? You gonna bank on bank on Creighton? Like, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, what what are you gonna do? So I, th- I thought personally, the NCAA got it right, because at the end of the day, we can get upset and we can say, oh, man, they robbed us. They took March madness from us. And I understand these seniors, man. It's two elements to this, right? You got the human element, then you got the business element. I got it. The business element, it, 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 got, it got, you know, pretty a crash course. It, you know, you're losing a lot of money. It's a product that you've been building on year after year after year. Just like you said earlier, it's a big gambling product. Like I mean, I think behind the Super Bowl is the second most highest gambling product it is in the United States. Um, but at the end of the day, the human element took over. You got you to gotta care about these kids enough to say, listen, we're going to lose a lot of money, but we'll rather you be healthy. we would rather you be safe than just to go ahead and go for the money grab. So that's what the, that's what the NCAA did and I, I don't think they made the wrong decision. And listen, though for those seniors that your last opportunity was either A in a locker room or you played one half a ball and that was that was it. You know, it's life. That's how to cook and crumble. If I if I to be honest with you, I'm gonna be real with you. Life gonna throw you some stuff like this when you get to the next level. You get to the NBA, it's not gonna be glitz and glamour. It's going to be stuff that happens like this. So I can say the NCAA is giving you a life lesson. Some stuff ain't going to pan out the way you think it is. It sucks. It's unfair. But it is what it is. That's life. Hey, and just a
2: couple quick points before Cody jumps in here. Duke and Kansas. Yeah, I get it. You're really trailblazing it out there for us. That's a pretty easy decision to come out and make after the conference tournaments. Go ahead and close up shop. So in that in that sense, you can see the writing on the wall. Hey, yeah, 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 for all we know, good old Mark Mark could have went called down to Duke and said, "Hey, Coach K, could you help us out? Pull the plug on pull the plug on you guys coming out there." Yeah, did I call Bill? No, I didn't call Bill. You know we got him under investigation for everything under the sun. I ain't calling that. I ain't calling him. Forget about that. But <laughs> hey, and you know something else? Back to the fan family thing. That first half of that Creighton Saint John's game, I was I was looking at that, and I really thought that the people in the stands would have been further back than right behind the benches of exactly. the players. Exactly. You got I you agree. got the whole arena. Nobody's in there. Why can't you you know to have it like taped off with the first four or five rows and everybody sit back there? That way you can't have contact with the players. I just thought that was pretty
0: odd. Yeah, yeah I, I
1: agree. I agree. Yeah, this this is another one that's again, and I'll look at it a little bit different. You know, same token, but I think part of this too is these these bit these big, you know, NCAA, NBA organizations. You can't just be the one that doesn't. Like, if if everyone else does it, you got to fall in line, right? Like, because if you're the one that stays open and then everyone starts getting it from what you were doing, they can trace it back. You're talking all kinds of legality problems, lawsuits. I mean, it might not be, oh, we're so worried about your health. It may also be, well, we like money, and here's the pile of money we could have from having the tournament, and there's the pile of money we'll lose if we don't cancel (laughs) it, and then you all get sick. So it could have been that, too. We don't really know, but – either way, like the perception just can't be, Oh, well, we're fine. We're not worried about it. And when everyone else is, you know, so it's just, again, it's that chain reaction event from one to the other. And man, this would have been, this would have been a wild tournament. I mean, this, this, this would have been completely yeah, insane. Cause it was such a weird year in college basketball. So many yeah. blue bloods are struggling. And then, you know, everyone else, we don't normally see in the top ranks were going in and teams are flying in and out, man. But uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, It's it's one of it. And again, when one of these teams like Kansas or Duke start saying, hey, we're out, it's not legitimate anymore. I mean, imagine if they would have went out and then somehow we still had it or something then you would have had, you know, Creighton wins the NCAA championship because half the teams didn't show up. And it's like, are we ever really going to consider them an actual champion? It would have been
0: illegitimate. It would have been. You know what it would have been? It would have been a 1999 season. When the Spurs beat the Knicks in the NBA Finals and everybody's like, yo, you, you played a third of a season. You played a half of the season. Like, oh, man, it's bull crap. But they Wait. still the 1999 NBA Final champ. So
1: We know this ain't legit. The Knicks are in the Finals. This can't be right. But something, something's wrong. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah, you,
2: you know them suckers in favor of a shortened season. <laughs>
1: Alright guys, basketball isn't the only sport grinding to a halt right now. Going down the list here, we have the NFL on a mostly work-from-home basis regarding scouting and pre-draft routines. The XFL has canceled the rest of their relaunch season, but they will pay their players their salaries and benefits. MLS has suspended their season for 30 days. The NHL is suspended until further notice. PGA has canceled the players in Florida and has canceled all events, including a postponement of the Masters next month. Major League Baseball has canceled spring training and delayed the start of the season for at least two weeks. Even NASCAR and tennis are canceled as of now. All right, Drink, among all these cancellations, which one stands out to you the most? I,
0: I got two. Um, You you mentioned one, that NASCAR. Hey, I was uh, fluid when I seen that one. I'm like, <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I must say those cars are really packing in the virus. Ford. And then uh, you know, Ford, Chevy, Toyota, somebody, yeah, I, NASCAR kind of threw me off. And I'm going to say golf, simply because I thought what golf was going to do um, was just make it to where it was just the, the golfer himself and the caddy, or maybe they was going to make the golf work double time and make him carry his old bag. I didn't know. Um, I thought that was going to be a thing. But listen, I would say this for all these events. As crazy as they sound that they've been counseled, I understand one thing and one thing only. Unless you got everybody tested that's involved in this, you kinda had to counsel it. Even though I felt like it was a little crazy that NASCAR, if I don't have a test for all the people that's involved, that's the drivers, that's the, the pit crew, that's you know, the guy waving the flag, all these <laughs> these people that's involved, then I can I guess I have to sympathize with the fact that NASCAR said, We out, we out. Um golf the same way. And I wanna say Roy McElroy. He was the one that that kind of made me open my eyes to golf. When it first got canceled, I'm like, dude, it's golf. Just keep no fans. It's two dudes walking from hole one to hole 18. Let's get it done. But he made a good point. He said, listen, I don't want to play golf unless we've all been tested. We got guys from all over the world that play in this tournament. All over. the. It's a global game. What do we look like just rubbing elbows with some guy from South Korea? or some guy from Italy, or some guy from China. It's a little unfair of us to ask them to do something that we wouldn't do ourselves. So once I kind of grasped the concept of his explanation about the cancellation, I said, all right, cool. I got it, man. You know, that makes a good point. Now, out of all the sports that you named, the one that really caught me by surprise that left my tongue hanging because I thought we was going to get some of that good old XFL action I thought this man was going to be the last man standing on million dollar vents. and then he pulled a plug on me. Um, so that hurt my heart a little bit. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. I, I thought we really was going to get that done, but I'm glad the XFL has decided to pay the players and give them the benefits. And once again, this is why I wanted to give kudos to Mark Cuban. I feel like if Mark Cuban had not started that whole ordeal, a lot of these players would not be getting paid it they, they would have been like, hey, you're not working. You don't get paid. <laughs> we ain't out here handing out money. No, you work for your money. Um, so I am glad that the XFL, are, they're taking care of their players. And um, and I, I I will hope that the rest of these sports follow suit. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, I know the NBA is a little in a little influx between the players and the owners, but they'll figure it out. I think at some point you'll figure it out. Spring football. I thought that was interesting. We was about to crank up spring football. Come here, uh, today was probably going to be the first day for most major Division One colleges, FBS colleges, to uh, start the spring football schedule. And then up to the day, boom, they out of here. Uh, so they 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 canceled their their spring games as well. So, um, those are the ones that really stuck out to me. The NHL, the MLS, you know, I, I got it, but. You know, I'm I'm thinking about the sports that really, you know, could you kind of survive without it? There? Yeah, I th- I thought so. So yeah, yeah, To answer your question, man, it it was definitely NASCAR. It was definitely the the Masters, and it was spring football for me. Yeah, I think I
2: think golf's definitely. If I had to pick one, like most surprising to see it get shut down, I th- I think golf because yeah, you made some good points two guys just you know walking around and I guess you can throw the caddies in there as well but you would think uh that's there's no contact like physical contact in that sport it's just you and your club and the ball so you would think if you if you just don't have no fans at the events and just you know come out like hey guys let's not let's not touch we don't need to shake hands we don't need to do all this crazy stuff. But, hey, the, the point you brought up from Roy McElroy is it's a, that is a global game to where you got golfers that participate in these PGA events that are from, you know, all around the world. And when you have that, that's obviously a concern because, you know, you don't you don't have the, uh, I, I'm assuming, just unless you feel like you're at risk, you, you ain't been tested yet for the most part. So got you on that. Uh I'm not surprised that baseball is shut down, but baseball, when you consider the length of their regular season, they're gonna they're gonna really feel the effects of this because it's not gonna be a situation where the NBA can push it on back and and suspend action and wind up being okay in the end and you know have a, have a drum down regular season and playoff time. the the major Major League Baseball season Because you gotta understand, that runs up into the NFL season, so there ain't no way that they pushing back and compete with some good old late season NFL action, because it just ain't gonna work out well monetarily for them. So I'm looking at them right now, depending on how long this plays out. Again, I go back to the 60 day thing. That they just gonna have to trim down the regular season, Um, and that's probably that may that may be welcome. To some, I think there's been, you know, there's been talk of 162 games. I mean, good guy. Can, can we get a little less? Like, I know, I know we talk, we talk about all the time. Like Eric Blizzo comes to mind. Like, can you give me something? Hey, baseball, give <laughs> me a little less. I mean, let, let's just do that. So,
0: so that may be Is welcome. It, hold on, I, you you got a problem with the length of the, the American pastime? I don't, I don't. But there are some that do, there are
2: some that do, and I think some. Would like the baseball season to be a bit shorter, so we'll see. And and you know, to be fair, I mean the NBA has had you know that problem a little bit too. I think there are some that would like the NBA to cut down the season by maybe ten to twenty games. I think
0: there's some first round there. of the playoffs that's what they need to be cut down. That thing need to be the best of five, not the best of seven, but that's you know that and that as well. But
2: I look I look at baseball whenever this gets back up. I, I don't. I can't imagine that they would just jump right into the regular season. I imagine we'll see a maybe a week-long spring training just to get these guys revved up a little bit, and then we would proceed in the regular season. And I would, I couldn't imagine that, you know, the postseason getting pushed back. You know, I'd I imagine the World Series will be late October, or early November, as it usually is. And 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 back to this point about ensuring that we get these guys revved up with spring training and, and back to basketball with finishing a regular season. You need that because the one sport we can look to, and we know it's true is football because these guys out here, they're not taking the preseason, uh, the preseason seriously at all. Now we got just whole entire teams just sitting the starters, the whole preseason. And then you come out week one and you look, and you look off a of subpar out there. So I don't want to see that. So I hope for the sake of the product that both Major League Baseball and the NBA, they take those things in consideration. Don't put these guys out there in regular season action right away. Give them about a week or so in the NBA. Give them maybe a couple weeks, and then let's ride.
1: Yeah, man, my, uh, my Jags sat out in the preseason. Look what happened to them.
0: They are unrelated. <laughs> are uh
1: yeah i actually was at working out at the players uh, for the tournament that's why i wasn't here wednesday and should have been here today and i was working you know behind the scenes and it was really amazing to see And i think one of the things that we're we're missing here or or something to add into the conversation when we're talking about these events being canceled or maybe just the whole because we've seen a couple times they go oh well maybe we'll just do families and, and friends of players or whatever we're doing but no full fans The logistics when you have a tournament or a basketball game or a March Madness tournament, the logistics of all the other people working it are crazy. I mean, the food service, the people – all the way down to, like, the people busing the players in. Imagine, like, you're shuttling a team from the Marriott to the game, and that bus driver was just in Italy visiting his family last month, you know, and then he infects the whole team. I mean, you could screen every fan that came in, but there's just so many people. There's so many moving parts that go into one of these things. You know, I was was there – even Tuesday, I mean, we had no thought this would get canceled. We thought, oh, there is no way. And then Wednesday, it was like, during the day, it was like, uh, well. Then my Wednesday night, I was thinking, man, I might come in tomorrow, and they may shut this down. And sure enough, eight o'clock, there was word spread that, hey, we're maybe this is canceled. And by Thursday afternoon, the word come down, hey, you're you're we're done. And then today, I was out there helping clean up, and it was just a ghost town. You Just tumbleweeds rolling around everywhere, and just how. Fast, these situations change. You know, again, it was just—it's incredible the, the, you know, what happens, and you know, just you have all these people, and it, it's so hard to limit. And obviously, there's no logistical way you can test everyone that comes in, so. Even even in the open air of a golf course where you're unlikely to, to catch it like you would maybe in an arena or on a cruise ship or something with the air kind of being recycled, you're still going to go to the clubhouse after the game and get food. Or maybe, you know, maybe the, one of the cooks back there has, has got it, you know, and he didn't know it and he's making the food and stuff. I mean, it's just there's so many variables. So I, I think, again, the, these places and these, these organizations have just kind of been forced to do this. And they've tried ways around it, but ultimately, there isn't much way around it uh, besides just canceling them. And, and it would be weird to see any of these events without fans. I mean, basketball, football, you name it. I mean even golf. I mean, when when some of these bigger golfers come on these tournaments, there's herds of ten thousand people following some of these players around. I mean, it would just be so weird to just sit there playing around of golf like you're playing on Tuesday with your buddies and you're supposed to be at work. It's just, so it, it's this is something else this is something that uh we'll see and it does bring up a good opportunity last thing i'll add like y'all are saying with shortened schedules and seasons hey if you want to try it out this might be the year to do it and see how you like it if you've ever had a better excuse in the world this is it right now so hey baseball (laughs) hey basketball if y'all want to try some y'all want to try some experiments there you go you got your opportunity so maybe take advantage of it we'll see All right, fellas, let's wrap up tonight with the only actual sports talk going on right now. NFL teams (laughs) have exercised a slew of franchise tags over the last few days. The Broncos have locked up Justin Simmons, expecting to reach a long-term deal. The Chargers looking to evaluate Hunter Henry some more with a tag after some injury-prone seasons. The Jags and Ravens also tagged Yannick Gagwe and Matthew Juden, respectively, with those players possibly less likely to sign a long-term deal. All right, Jay, among these guys that have been tagged so far, who is most valuable to his team?
2: Well, first off, I just want to say, got no no real gripe with any of these franchise tags. I think each of these guys they bring a certain thing to their team, and they they all got a whole lot of value. I will say, Hunter Henry, he he got a little Anthony Davis in him. He 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 a little fragile. Um, I, I'm amazed that he ain't he's uh hadn't missed more games than what he has that uh, 2018 season. Torn ACL. He's never played a full sixteen game season. Hopefully, hopefully he can stay healthy next season, and uh, they get a get a real good return on that investment with this franchise tag. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go out to the Ravens though and talk about um Matthew Judon. Um, this is a guy who last season had a career season, uh, nine and a half sacks, made the Pro Bowl, and when you when you compare him and uh, Yannick and uh, on the surface. On the surface, you, pro- you and you can make a great argument for taking Ngakwe over Judon, but just consider this: this, the Ravens last season ranked 21st in sacks with 37, and nobody else on the team had more than five. So Judon's really your only pass rusher that you have to speak of right now. And oh, by the way, you just let T. Sizzle and Zadarius Smith float on out the door last season. And we see we see how great Zaydearius Smith was this year in Green Bay, and obviously Terrell Suggs, you know, in the last few years of his career. So that one's certainly understandable. But they've seen a lot of talent at the edge edge rush position uh, leave Baltimore. So I gotta believe that's one of the things they're thinking about with putting a tag on Judon. And listen, he's been uh, he, he's averaging about seven sacks a season in his four year career, and Considering the lack of production they get behind him, I think it makes a lot of sense. And among these guys, I'm going to give him a slight edge when we talk about who's most valuable to his team.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to take my talent zone down, you know, up to the, uh, the mile high city and that's the the Denver Broncos, for those of you that don't know. And we're going to talk about our free safety, Justin Simmons, and why we're going to talk about the free safety. Out of the four guys that was officially confirmed, He's the only one that made the all-pro team this year. Um, Be it that it was second team, let's be real here. That's still a compliment. Um, You can't sneeze at that. You're talking about a guy with 289 tackles throughout his career, 11 interceptions, and just this year alone, 93 tackles and four interceptions, which is –
2: No pro Bowl though.
0: No pro bowl, but he's all pro. That ain't his fault that the NFL can't get that crap together. Like, that don't even make sense. How you make an all pro team, but you don't make a pro bowl? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe the, hey, it, it might got lost in the emails. You know what I'm saying? That's why Spike Lee was mad. Who knows? But, oh, no. but <laughs> listen, here's the deal he, he was an all pro, and that's to me, that's a higher accomplishment than being a pro bowler because you know, a lot of those pro bowlers are plug and play, and that's a fan product. So when it comes to all pro, that's not a fan product. That is what the NFL, that's what the coaches, that's what you know, media, that's what they think of that position, and they think you are one of the top four to eight guys in that position, depending on how many they want to give the distinguished two. Um, and he is one. He is the you know one of the four that's been uh, confirmed to to sign the franchise tag. Now let's be. Another another reason I think that's important because when we think about the Broncos, what do we think about? The defense. For the last couple, since the Peyton Manning era, we've always been on the defense. The defense had carried the water year after year after year. Yes, last year was not the most favorable water-carrying experience. I got it. However, they will bounce back. We've seen, we seen the likes of Drew Luck give them a little spark on the offense. So once they be able to run that ball and do you know do the pound and ground that we used to, that defense will get back together. You got to start on the back end, your franchise tagging him. He's going to give you one more year. Hopefully he can you know repeat that same success. And then you give him a long term. It, it, it's the nature of the business. Some guys deserve a long term. I wouldn't have been mad if they would have signed him long term. But you only got so much money out there. You just brought in another DB. You're going to get rid of one of your other Pro Bowl uh, slot corners and Chris Harris, so you you kind of out here you you're doing your thing. I ain't mad at you. It's a salary cap league, but I'm gonna go I'm I'm gonna go with Justin Simmons from the Denver Broncos.
1: Yeah, to answer the question, I could throw in uh, Hunter Henry um, as as a guy that as far as most valuable to the team, uh, only because you're talking about a guy that could it might very well be a top five tight end the league. If you would just take his 12 games he played last year and just say he played all 16 and kind of kept the same stats up, he would have been about fifth in terms of touchdowns and total yards. That's that's a guy. But you've got to know before you ink him to some big deal, man, can this guy stay healthy? We've seen plenty of guys that get in and they just can't get healthy and they can't stay healthy. And your, your best ability is your availability, man. So yep. at the end of the day, I don't care how good you are. You can't get on the field but about eight, ten games a year. If that, boy, that's not good. And then you're also talking about the team of the Chargers. You know, they're going away from Phillip Rivers. New quarterbacks coming in. What's a quarterback's best friend besides an offensive line? It's a tight end. You know, A guy that can move the chains, get you some easy yards, get you some easy throws. And who knows who's going to be the quarterback? Everybody from Teddy Bridgewater to Tom Brady to both of them are going to play. I don't know. But you, you, with that kind of uncertainty, having a couple guys on your offense that can really help out whoever winds up being back there can be a big deal. But uh, the other thing I really wanted to point out was with the unique Ngakwe situation, as far as his importance to the Jaguars, I mean, they're probably going to not be good either way. But I would say what the Jaguars do with unique will tell us 100 percent if that team is ready to just rebuild and scrap everything, because right now they sure look like they're trying to. But at the same time, with the coaching staff, you think they kind of want to win now, too. Uh, if they do wind up tagging and trading unique, which it'll be interesting to say, too, because he said, I don't want to be here anymore, which is yet another player that doesn't want to be there anymore. Uh, will they just kind of try to stiff him and say, well, you're playing whether you like it or not? Or will they say, OK, well, we'll get you tagged and traded, which he could likely catch a late first round pick. And, you know, if he is able to explore trade options, he's going to be a hot commodity because he's been one of the best edge rushers in the league since he came in. So whether the Jaguars think he has value or not, other teams are certainly going to think he has value. And the final thing I did want to add, too, Matthew Judon got tagged as an outside linebacker, not as a defensive end, so that cost him a couple million dollars. And if the Ravens are looking for a long-term deal with him, that's probably not going to be looked at very favorably. I mean, I know we kind of, in 3-4 defenses, we sort of just throw around both positions as kind of the same thing, which technically they're not, but... That they could have made him a few more million dollars, but instead they chose to save it. So, will that actually hamper negotiations? Who knows? But they did do it, so that's worth um, keeping in the back of your mind.
2: Yeah, and back to Ngakwe because we kind of, in some ways, glossed over him. You can make, a, I think you made a great argument that Ngakwe is perhaps the best player on this list, and he's had the best career of all these guys thus far. But I. <sighs> You you said it, Cody. I don't know how valuable you can be to your team when you've already came out and said, hey, man, it's a wrap. Uh, I'm not signing long-term here, the franchise tag, whatever. So he, he he's out the door. I can't blame him considering all the shenanigans that's been going on down there with Tom Coughlin and, you know, just finding players all haphazardly. So, you know.
1: I don't know what else the man is supposed to do. I mean, what, like, really, what else do you want out of a third-round pick who's played as well as him, has absolutely no off-the-field issues, and even canceled his contract negotiations last year to come into training camp and act in good faith and play the fourth year of his rookie deal? And then back-to-back years, you just shaft him. And I get it. He wants to be paid as the highest-paid player in the league. $22 million is what he's asking. And is he worth $22 million? Maybe, maybe not. But at some point, yeah. you know, all these teams have to come to the conclusion of do we want to keep homegrown talent or do we want to just draft a guy, hope he works and ship him off in three years for some more draft picks to start over? I mean, I just you know,
2: don't yeah, it's look, we, we know what time it is that at Jacksonville. You know it. I know it. Drink knows it. It's a clown show down there. I mean, they're they, they not winning. The best thing they can do right now. Is just burn this thing down and start over. They already traded AJ Boye. You traded Jalen Ramsey. I mean, I gotta believe Yannick Ngakwe. He's not gonna be there long term. In any ways, you got that. That's all. That's one of your positions of strength because you got Calais Campbell. You got Josh Allen. So I mean, it's not even your biggest position of need. And uh, Drink brought up a good point earlier. I don't know if he's about to get to it, but I mean, perhaps we could see a unique Ngakwe, Nick Foles type package thing to get, you know, you got Ngakwe, he's a valuable commodity. Maybe you can get somebody to take him and Nick Foles off your hands so you can get that salary off your plate, or at least some of it.
0: Yeah, like half of it. Look, here's how I look at it. Jacksonville trying to save some money so they can move to London. Mark my word, this team is trying to make a move overseas, and old Shao Kahn, however say his name, the owner, he is more invested in his wrestling business than he is his NFL business at this point. He want to move it overseas. He thinks he's underappreciated here in Jacksonville. And now he's just turned into a total slaughterhouse.
1: I used to hate that take as somebody who lived here. But now the last two years, I, I that's the only conclusion I can come to at this point. But let me ask you all this before we let it go. Not just with unique, He brings up a good question. I, I think it just kind of thought of. We saw Le'Veon Bell hold out a year or two ago over the franchise tag thing, right? Now, none of these guys look like they would hold out. Unique,ly you know, the only guy that would probably come close, and he's only made 3 or $4 million to date. He's probably not going to turn down almost $20 million in one year. But do you think with what happened to Le'Veon Bell and how fast his career has just fallen off a cliff with the Jets and to the point where now he's bowling and not going to games, do you think that's pretty much taken the, the whole sit out and not get franchise tagged and play? Do you all think any players have looked at that and went, well, not doing that, even if I don't want to be here, I'd rather do that than ruin my career like he seemed to have done.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule it out completely, but I do think you got to look at Le'Veon Bell and kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Yeah, Le'Veon sat out a whole year. I mean, in the end, he got a nice little contract, but I mean, on the field, it, it, it don't appear to have worked out all that well. And part of it could be the situation he wound up. He wound up in with a coach who, for some inexplicable reason, doesn't appear to know how to utilize him. So, But I'd say in the end, I wouldn't rule it out. But it, it's going to be another star-level player that will do that. And I, and considering that Unique Ngakwe hasn't made a whole lot of money at this point, I think you're right. I, I can't see him being one of those guys to hold out.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say Le'Veon Bell's situation. I would tell you a situation that I think that's more similar to it is the uh, Trent Williams situation with the Redskins, where you kind of, you you want to be traded, you kind of don't play, you can play, but you're not away from the game. You're not away from, you know, you're not in Miami on jet skis. You're you're on the team, you show up to team functions, you do what the team want, but I don't want to be here. So, you you know, you're still getting paid, you're still training, you're still staying in shape, you're just not playing. So I see a lot of more players taking that route, than the Le'Veon Bell, because you don't want to get out of shape. Because at the end of the day, when you the only way you stay in football shape is playing football. So you can't be out here doing all this other BS or pulling the Zeke Elliott going to Cabo and then come back and be demanding all this stuff. And then, like you said, you look just like Le'Veon Bell, or to a lesser extent, just like Zeke Elliott, where you don't quite have the pop, you don't quite be able to shift up in gears like you once could and then it takes you a season or two to get back to it.
1: All right, guys, I'm going to finish off with some rapid reaction, a lot of topics, and a little bit of time. Take it away, Drink.
0: Let's roll, baby. The New England Patriots have exercised the 2020 option for cornerback Jason McCordy's contract. Is that a big deal?
2: I think so. They might not have Tom Brady next year, but they still going to have a great secondary with both McCordys, Stephon Gilmore, and uh – Jonathan Jones, so that's still going to be a packed secondary. The Minnesota Vikings have released cornerback Xavier Rhodes and defensive tackle Linval Joseph.
0: You agree with these moves? Yes, sir. Um, you know the Rhodes, he, he even though he was an All-Pro just two years ago, I got that. But his his, his injury history and his money demand, it kind of moved them out. And Joseph, we know he's on the older, he's on the bad side of 30, so you know that's kind of what happens to you in the NFL. Baltimore Oriole outfielder Trey Mancini went, underwent successful surgery to remove a malign tumor from, from his colon. Good news, right?
2: Absolutely. That's, that's real good to hear. And to be honest, uh, without Trey Mancini, I, I don't know what else. Uh, I don't know what all the Orioles would have uh, to look forward to for the upcoming season, considering he's one of your <laughs> few proven players out there. All 32 NFL teams had representatives at Clemson's Pro Day, and much of the interest revolved around linebacker Isaiah Simmons.
0: It's not surprising, is it? Hell no, it ain't. I'm going to tell you like this. I'm pretty sure the second guy they want to see there is Trevor Lawrence, and he ain't even draft eligible. So I'm not surprised by this whatsoever. The Green Bay Packers have released tight end Jimmy Graham after two seasons. Your reaction? My reaction
2: is the same as it's been for the past five years. He ain't been the same since he left New Orleans. Uh, From 2011 to 2014, he averaged a minimum of 85 catches and racked up 46 touchdowns, and uh, I really haven't seen him since. So he's still in the league, but five touchdowns the past two seasons, he clearly ain't the same. Last weekend in the co-main event of UFC 248, there was a strawweight title fight between the champ. Uh, Zane Wiley, and the number four contender, Joanna Jacek. It's been considered the greatest woman fight of all time by some.
0: you agree with them? Hey, man, that fight was a slugfest. It gave the fans what they wanted. You know, for a pay-per-view fight, you got your pay-per-view. So, yeah, I agree with him, man. I think that fight definitely deserves that that recognition, and it will be in the Hall of Fame at some point. The San Francisco Giants announced right-hander Johnny Cueto will be their opening day starter. What's your biggest takeaway from this announcement? Well,
2: considering Cueto hasn't started an opening day since 2015, uh, the Giants are probably going to be pretty bad this year again. The Tennessee Titans have released running back Deion Lewis, tight end Delaney Walker, pass rusher Cameron Wake, and kicker Ryan Suckup.
0: Which of these is the most significant loss? This um uh, this is pretty tough. I'm gonna probably go with the kicker at this point because the rest of those guys kind of disappeared throughout the season. So I think the kicker is the only one that was gonna guarantee you some points. But yeah, I'm, I'm going with uh Ron Suckup on this one. In a phone conversation with NFL Network Network, Tom Pelicano, former Bengal and Raiders linebacker Vontae Burfict said he wanted to change and, change and intends to play in 2020. Are you buying this crap?
2: Listen, folks, I'll be real honest with you right now. You know we struggling today when Vontez Perfect makes the show. But no, I ain't buying none of this. I don't want to see him again. Tomorrow evening on ESPN Plus in Brasila, Brazil, it's a UFC lightweight main event between the 8th ranked lightweight contender Kevin Lee and the 13th ranked contender Charles, Charles Oliveira. Who you got?
0: Uh, you know, Oliveira, he, he's a guy that's been dodged. Um a lot of guys don't wanna fight him. Don't don't let the thirteen rank fool you. Uh he's been on a tear as of late. But here's the deal, Kevin Lee, he out here putting you on Sports Center, baby. Uh he's gonna knock your head off your shoulders. Uh the problem with this is Kevin Lee did come two and a half pounds overweight. Uh so he will give twenty percent of his purse to Oliveira for this fight. But with that said, I'm still gonna take Kevin Lee in an empty arena over in Brazil.
1: All right, guys, let's today's drink of wisdom. I'm Cody Ward. I'm Jay Wise.
0: And I'm Nathan Drinker. And remember, make tomorrow better than today and make today better than yesterday. And you know what we're going to do. We're going to holler at you until next time, baby.
2: Wash your hands.